All right, coming up on this episode, a, uh, a conversation that at least, I don't know, four months in the making, 12 months in the making, been talking about it for a long time, a buddy of mine, Ian Goldsmith, and I getting together to chat NBA, it's one of our uh, common interests, we have such an appreciation for the game and uh, the history of the game, so we talked for a while about the greats, um, sort of the top 10 concept within the uh, history of basketball and where Steph Curry now ranks among those those top 10, 11 players and the idea of what greatness means as it pertains to the history of basketball. We then dove into some of our favorite fake trades, uh, some a bit more ludicrous than others, but we had a good time. I appreciate Ian coming on, spending some time with me on a Tuesday night and uh, chatting up. Also a special shout out to both of our wives being uh, willing to let both of us dorks chat for far too long about very niche subjects. So I hope everyone who listens, uh, appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoy. I think I can edit this audio after the fact, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> and we're rolling. And so I've got Ian Goldsmith to my podcast. Uh, I made sure to note that your Twitter handle is at G-O-L-D-S-M-I-I. Is that correct? It is. It is. There's a story to that, actually. Uh, the university I went to, University of Northern Iowa, uh, our emails, they would do the first seven letters of our last name and then the first letter of our first name. So mine was goldsme at uni.edu. And it was kind of like a running joke. You'd ask people what their email handle was. Like my friend David <laughs> Naylor was Naylord. Um, and so I was like, I'm just going to keep that forever. And I haven't, haven't changed it since. Well, I've got to, I, I got to mention that because you're a funny follow on Twitter. I, I enjoy oh. your Twitter. Thank you. And, you're and you're one Instagram of the six too. people that <laughs> you're one of the six people that consistently engage in my Twitter. So I very much appreciate that, uh, that compliment. Yeah, well, you're you're one of the ones that I go to if I actually take the time to log on Twitter and spend a reasonable amount of time on there, as opposed to Instagram, where I, I believe you are funny in that too. Kristen tells me sometimes, but I'm not on there very much, so I, <laughs> I guess I see it occasionally. Yeah, I, I am constantly torn between what I want to do, which is make really stupid jokes on Instagram, and what Jackie suggests I do, my wife. <laughs> Uh, which is promote my DJ business on Instagram. And so it usually falls uh, somewhere in between the two, uh, which usually means never posting. But <laughs> Well, and and I can fully, um, I'm struggling for words here. I, I can fully validate, there it is, validate the uh, the DJ business. Because I, you know, we were at Elam's wedding this past weekend and that was, we that was another banger. We had, uh, we had Matt Wood off to the side. I remember at one point, <laughs> I don't remember what songs you transitioned from, but Matt Wood just like got this very like stoic almost face, <laughs> very, very serious. And he looked at me and he was yeah. like, that was such a good transition <laughs> between one song I love and the next. That. Oh, that's, yeah. a, that's such a compliment. Like those are my favorite. It, I love when I do uh, weddings where friends are at because that's like the real form of validation. Like it's one thing to have a bunch of strangers like react to a song or a transition. But when you have that person that knows you and gives you that like that stank face, like, oh, yeah, like that. Oh, right there. Like that. 
that's when it really hits for me. It's like, yes, all right. I'm that's, on to something. That's here. what you appreciate. Well, I got you with the one. I don't remember. I was banging my fist for some song, and I was trying to remember this coming back after the wedding. I don't remember what it was, but I know you saw me and I, I looked at you and it was mm-hmm. I can't remember the song now, but straight bangers. Straight bangers. Bangers all night. That's the policy when I do <laughs> <laughs> Is that is that your tagline? Yeah, yeah. Ian, that's my company motto. <laughs> Ian Goldsmith at Goldsmith. Yeah. Uh Straight bangers. Straight bangers. <laughs> well, and that's where I appreciate too, because I know you have been very much appreciative of the opportunity to to chat, and I have too, Absolutely. because that's where the inter the intersection of our interests with the the music and then the basketball. And you and yes. I have had some very uh, in depth conversations about hoops. I remember in the hotel in Atlanta, this would have been maybe it was it Nick Chido's wedding. I don't remember. I, believe it I was. think it was Nick yes. Chido's wedding. Yeah, yeah. Talking about like Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain and Russell Westbrook for like mm-hmm. probably <laughs> 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, it's like this pent up energy. So thank you so much. I realize we're like four minutes in and I haven't even thanked you for having me on this podcast. I've been a fan okay. for years. So I'm glad okay. to uh, glad First to finally off, be able to. <laughs> number one, calm down. Uh-huh. Second off, okay. <laughs> for years, this podcast has been in existence for like, I don't know, 10 weeks. Okay, well, that's how much I've enjoyed listening to this for the last past 10 weeks, is it feels like I've been listening to this since like 2007. So thank you well, for all the great it. content. Um, but yeah, it's like this pent up energy that I don't know where to place. And usually it just gets placed on Twitter because like that's a very low stakes place to put all of this is like all these things I'm thinking about on a daily basis with the NBA. I don't have NBA like people in my life, so I'm very appreciative Uh not just to be able to chat on this podcast, but just chat with you in general, because uh, my wife is a very good sport about letting me go on uh, many little weird, nerdy tangents every now and again. But uh, out of respect to her, I appreciate having a place to <laughs> put all of this. So, <laughs> Well, I'm sure she will She will let me know of that appreciation later, too, just because she has before. She's been like, thank you for allowing me in an outlet <laughs> to talk about the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Kristen, she gets a little of it too. She knows who the people are, but uh, and she listens to me talk about Kyrie and and Durant. But she knows mm-hmm. that it's nice to have somebody to chat with about um, some hoops too. So we decided that tonight's focus was where does Steph rank on the all time greatest NBA list. And speaking of Twitter, we I know we talked about this a little bit on Twitter the other day, but. I think you ultimately had him at 11, and I think I, that was where I was at as well. Is that right? Uh, I have him at you 10 have a little higher. as of this okay. juncture. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, like, like one or two higher, and we can, we can get into the, the granular of that. But I think it's also, it has more to do with, and this is kind of what I want to dive into, is like what it means to be a, a top 10 greatest player of all time. And I think he, he finally, with, what happened this past week finally fits the bill for that. Um, and that's case. what I would Go love to it, dive into. You've, you've got him top 10. I don't. So I'm, I'm going to let you make the mm-hmm. case. I'm looking yeah. at my top so, top list. So Go there's uh, uh, what I want to preface here is uh, I am one of those like NBA fans that spends way too much time thinking about this instead of like watching ask actual basketball. <laughs> so for better or for worse, like this is very much within my wheelhouse. Whereas like I can go whole weeks without watching a single minute of actual like current <laughs> basketball. 
but uh, I'm in very good company because that seems to be a very like common thing amongst NBA fandom is like debating and spending tons and tons of time uh, about like all time rankings. And what I've always found interesting is very rarely do you see a lot of variance with these rankings, like um, in, in like a broader sense, you know, it's like you'll see players will almost always fall within like the same range. And so it's almost like there's tiers of players and, uh, and those like, like you very rarely, here's, here's like example, like, like you can debate, like if magic Johnson is like the fourth best player or the ninth best player, Mm-hmm. But you never see him like 43rd, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, or like if somebody came in hot and they're like, yeah, Gary Payton is a top five player of all time. Like, like nobody's going to take that list seriously because everybody just like widely agrees on like where people generally fall. So the right. arguments, it's like, we're like, is he 10th or 11th? And we're like having a whole podcast about it. And so this actually relates, Wait, though, I, to go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I feel like those people are out there. But they're and they're very adamant and and busy on Twitter, but they yeah. don't have many followers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and so, so I noticed a trend because I follow these things and like like to engage with these things. What I found super interesting is that the ten great, like the top ten players, it's almost always the same ten up until mm-hmm. at least this past week. Um, like, like you'll maybe see like nine of the 10, but by and large, like on, if you look up any list of like top 10, top 50, top 75, whatever, it's always the same 10 names, just in a different order. So, uh, in no specific order, obviously it's Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Magic, Wilt, Bird, Russell, Shaq, Kobe, Duncan. Like it's usually some, some version of those 10 people. And mm-hmm. so I started, this is something I started a couple years ago. Again, thank you for letting me provide all this context. A couple years ago, <laughs> I started like getting really nerdy and trying to figure out like, why is it these 10? Like, it's so fascinating that even though we all like love debating this, it's almost always these same 10 people. Like you'll sometimes have Hakeem Olajuwon thrown in there. You'll sometimes see like an Oscar Robinson or something like that. But, but like, again, it's like these 10 people. And I actually like went through, and this again was a couple years ago, but I went through and I think it was 23 different like rankings that I found, like recent rankings. And I actually like, I'm not going to go through it all, but I, I like put in all this data and like listed where each of those players were on each list and then like came out with the averages. And uh, I'll share this with you separately. Uh, <laughs> this is way too much for this podcast, but like the data proved it. It was like of these 10 players, even the the least frequented mentioned person, which I think was Shaq, if I remember right, he still okay. of the twenty three lists. Only he was still in the top ten on nineteen of those twenty three lists. So he was huh. the least frequent person that made of those ten, and he still made it like eighty three percent of the time. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, yeah. So I I started trying to figure out like, so what do these ten players have in common? And I they're ended really, up really coming, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're really good. They're good at basketball. We, go. we saw um, it. And that actually is, I guess, an important clarification. Anytime you have this conversation is like the difference between best and greatest. 
So mm-hmm. let me let me bring it back to you for a second. Like, how would you describe to somebody? Because I imagine you also agree that there is a difference. But like, how would you describe to somebody the difference between like the best basketball players of all time and then the greatest basketball players of all time? I don't know. Maybe I take a different angle than you because I feel like they're pretty synonymous. And I, my mm-hmm. research has gone into spending, I think I mentioned this to you earlier in the week, like way too much time on basketball reference than one mm-hmm. should be spending on basketball reference and accounting for things like how many times were they a league champion? How many times MVP? I, I really um, condensed it into like, how many times did they finish in the top three, top five, top seven, top nine mm-hmm. of the MVP? Where were they at in the all NBA rankings? You know, how many times did they league the league in scoring? Were they all defense? Mm-hmm. Where are they at all time in some of these statistics? Where are they at for PER? As much as I hate PER, I think it matters in the right. fact that it, it does account for how good you were on the court and how much of an mm-hmm. impact you made for your team in the game. And so I sort of put all those things together and I also accounted for things like I've got MJ number one. And obviously part of that is, uh, he revolutionized the league. I mean, when he Mm -hmm. came in, it was, it was bird magic. It was a little more, um, maybe we think old school now, but he, he changed the game in a sense. Um, and he's one of the few guys in the history of the league that has done. So Steph now being a part of that too, where I've had for him, little, his little blurb, I've got that he's changed the game because when he came in, the threes became such a, uh, a commodity. So going back to your question, I, I kind of relate best and greatest. And to me, it's sort of a quantitative thing with those factors because I have to rely on that because I, I didn't watch these guys. Like I didn't, I never saw any mm-hmm. Kareem, no offense to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but I didn't, I didn't watch any of him, you know, when he was dominating the league in the eighties, I was not even, in existence. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't really speak to how good he was. And Oscar Robinson is always the one to me. It's like, okay, well sure. He like put up some numbers and I have him, uh, 16th on my list, but I, I never watched him lead the league, um, in assists. <laughs> so right. I can't really attest to how good he was on the court. Yeah. Well, and by the way, I love everything you just said because that's like all the t- no, the, like everything you just said is the type of the type of stuff that I will do at like one in the morning when I should be going to bed is like deep diving into Kareem's basketball reference, you know, and being like, oh wow, he finished in the top five voting like seventeen years in a row, or you know, like like that's right. the type of stuff that I I do. Where if you were to say that like at parties, people would uh, disinvite you from the party you're already at. So it's like. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. Um, well, and so I think what you actually already said, what I'm about to say and why I do think they are slightly different because they're, they're relatively synonymous, but I think the way I differentiate is like, um, I'm trying to think of two basketball players, like, like if you, like Damian Lillard and, (laughs) uh, Andre Kirilenko shout out 2006 jazz. Yeah, that uh, was very impressive, those names that you just pulled <laughs> So, so uh, okay, so, like, to prove my point of, like, best and greatest, I think these are, like, very extreme examples, but if you were to take, like, Damian Lillard and Bob Cousy, like, right. like, I think just at the craft of basketball, like, Damian Lillard, I'm betting, is a better basketball player 
than Bob Cousy. But there's additional like context and uh, and weight that comes with like what Bob Cousy did in the course of his career and in the timing of it and what it means in terms of NBA history than what Damian Lillard has done. And that's not a knock on Damian Lillard. It's just the the reality of like players continue to get better and like a player can be really good. But I think when it comes to this conversation about greatness, especially when you get to like the upper pantheon of players, like I think there's other kind of intangible facts that, or intangible elements that, that come into play too. And that's basically everything you said. Like when you're yeah. talking about Steph and, and Jordan as being players that like weren't just good at basketball, but they were good in a way that it changed the game. Like I think stuff like that is factored in. Um, so I actually, uh, I just sent you a PDF because I'm this much of a nerd this is something I came up with a while ago. Oh, this is the first and only time I've I've shared this. It's a I realize this this makes for great podcasting, a visual aid that nobody can see besides you. Uh, but it's a flow chart that I came up with of like what I think goes into greatness. Oh my gosh! This and is so awesome. it's basically to me it's excellence <laughs> plus legacy, and and so like excellence to me is like what makes a good basketball player like an excellent basketball player. But then legacy is like the intangible stuff. So if you yeah, break I'm it down all, further, go ahead. I'm I'm all for a, a good visual aid. I'm I'm definitely I've learned over the years a visual learner, so I appreciate this. Yes. And <laughs> being an audio medium, yeah, nobody can see this, but right. the, the way <laughs> right. the, the way that you've got it broken down with excellence and then the the legacy impact, full quality. I definitely think when I look at this greatest list, I categorize the the impactful thing for a select few guys, LeBron, Steph, mm -hmm. Jordan, maybe Kobe to an extent, Shaq a little bit. And then the mm -hmm. achievements was really where I based things off of for the majority mm -hmm. of guys. Um, but I think with, I like how you have it here with achievements and accumulation. I, I love this chart so much. The achievements and accumulation. <laughs> You're like the of, one person I know that would like really appreciate this. So. <laughs> I, yeah, I really appreciate this. Because uh, I think if you keep breaking it down like further, so like the most simple is obviously greatness is excellence plus legacy. But then if you were to break it down to the next level, it's like greatness is achievements over time mm -hmm. that were both iconic and impactful. Mm -hmm. Or if you like really broke it down into like the most subcategories, like stats, accolades, uh, like team success, the role you played on that team. Uh, like longevity, consistency, uh, if you were like popular, if you were memorable, um, if you were unique, and if you had some type of like influence on future basketball. Like to me, like all of those things combined are what make a great player. Well, and I think that's where Carl Malone probably most specifically comes into play because he didn't have championships. He had the, the two-time mm -hmm. MVP, but one of them probably was people were just sick of voting Jordan. So they voted for him. And mm -hmm. so, but because of the fact that he played for, I don't have his page on basketball reference pulled up, but the fact that he played for what, like 18 seasons, uh, yeah. just, that sound about right. 18 seasons. Oh and he was God, 14 yeah. times all NBA. He was, he scored a crap ton of points. He was in the top five of the MVP nine times. Had a ton of rebounds, ton of steals, mm -hmm. scored a bunch of points, um, which means he got a bunch of field goals, had a bunch of free throws. That elevates him because in your chart, as you're showing, he he ends up in the longevity and excellence mm -hmm. categories because he 
he played for so long and cream had a little bit of that too, even though his was a little bit more magnified in terms of success Mm -hmm. and, um, recognition. Yeah. Well, and I think Carl Malone is like a perfect example when you think about, um, or even his teammate, John Stockton, I think is like a pinnacle example of like being really good for a really long time, but was never like great, you know, whereas somebody like Bill Walton was like arguably the best player in the league for like two years you know, people were like, oh, well, I wasn't, I also wasn't alive in the 70s. <laughs> but like, from what I understand, it's like there was a time when people were genuinely like, oh, Bill Walton's like passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the best center in the league, you know. But like, you look at their careers and you'll probably see John Stockton, or even a more extreme example, like Derek Rose. Like Derek Rose and John Stockton, yes. you're never going to see Derek Rose over John Stockton on any like greatest all time list, even though 2011 Derek Rose was like so was good. so good an MVP, you know, like John Stockton, I think was like eighth in MVP voting one year. And that was the year he had like 15 assists a game. Like, so, I mean, yeah, we're, we're probably getting way too granular <laughs> into this, but, but uh, I think that, so the reason I want to give all this context is because this all relates to the Steph part of this conversation. Yes. And to me, he is now a top 10 player when you factor in all aspects of this specifically, I think in terms of the being unique and influential and admired, like, like all the legacy elements to this, I think in terms of what he means for this league now and moving forward, I think he now has to be part of that tier, even if it means that tier is now 11 people or 12 people. I think it's going to be hard to leave him out of those conversations because of how much of an impact he's made on this league, but also because he has now won the number of championships he's won combined with all of his other individual accomplishments. Yeah, I think I was fully prepared coming in tonight because I've been like you, I keep my list active and I and I updated it and I think about it and and I <clears throat> I was fully prepared to alter Steph's place in these rankings. And I appreciate everything that you just gave me because I I'm sitting here staring at my 10, which is Hakeem, and I'm sitting here looking at Steph, who's my eleven, and I've got Hakeem as a two time champ, and I compare that with Steph, who's obviously a four time champ. And then I look at the fact that Steph was an MVP of the finals and Hakeem never was there. And Hakeem's a one-time MVP. Steph's a two-time MVP. We have um, Steph has finished in the top six five times and Hakeem finished in the top seven ten times. And I think where I placed a lot more validity for Hakeem was the fact that he was a two-time defensive player of the year. So he's the Mm -hmm. best defender according to voters. And he's a 12-time All-NBA whereas Steph was only six-time All-NBA, but he has so many different boxes that he checks on top of, um, you know, two-time scoring champ, steals, free throw percentage. He's totally revolutionized the game and changed the game in terms of the way that he shoots, whereas Hakeem was a transcend, transcendent, transcendental? I don't know the word, but he was, he was really, really good at defense for just yeah. that little blip of time. Um, that he, that he won all these awards and, and finished as the block champ and the rebound champ, and he's first all-time in blocks. 
I think you convinced me. I think Steph's one or uh, Steph's 10, one. Steph's the goat. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> well, well, and I, <laughs> well, and I think like, I, I think like if you, again, if you're looking just at basketball, like I think you could, you could make the argument Hakeem is the better player. Like Hakeem has more excellence than, than Steph, especially when you factor in, like, I love what you said about like the, the number of all NBA selections and like that he was this good for that long. And like, I, I think, Again, I never really like remember watching Hakeem. I was a little too young right. for that. But like, you look up his stats defensively, and they like blow you out of the water. Like, there were multiple years he had like four point seven blocks a game and like two point five steals a game. <laughs> like, like that. That is absurd. You know. So, yeah, so like, Chris. I have no problem with Hakeem being considered, especially one of the ten best players of all time. I think a, a more like pertinent or current comparison is one that a lot of people have been making on NBA Twitter lately is Durant and Curry. Like, obviously they're very much linked. And I think I I feel very confident that I could say Durant is the better player, but I think on these all time greatness rankings, Curry beats him out because Mm -hmm. of how much impact he has had and like what he means as kind of the face of an era. You know, do you have where? Where's Durant on your list? I have Durant. Uh, I I actually bumped him down to fourteen. He was thirteen going. Okay. I had I had Steph and Durant twelve and thirteen going into this year, and Steph is now bumped up to ten. Durant is down to fourteen. Admittedly, some recency bias there. I will say that, okay. but it it has to do with I think like it does matter now in terms of. Even though like Durant was obviously the best player on those Warriors teams, those three years in a row, I think it doesn't devalidate what he did in those championship runs, but it does matter now that his only two championships were part of this Warriors dynasty that won now both before and after him. Because I think prior this year, you could have made the argument that like, well, who's to say the Warriors would have would have been that good those years. Like maybe they were kind of like a one hit wonder in like 2015, 2016 or whatever. Like who's to say they would have even been title contenders. But the fact that this like core group and this organization, you know, eight years later still went to the mountaintop. Like I think that does reflect in their legacies. Yeah. It's like with the Spurs in the two thousands where, you know, Manny Ginobili and Tony Parker were some of the better, maybe the better players in, in a couple of those series where they won. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I feel like this is earlier for me, but I feel like 2000, was it five, maybe 2007, neither of those I feel like were totally uh, fantastic, wonderful, all-world performances by Duncan, and he was really aided by Ginobili and Parker. But mm-hmm. that doesn't take away from the fact that the best player in the series – in terms of skill, awareness, intellect, was Duncan. He was the best player mm-hmm. in those series, even if he had a down yeah. series. Sort of a similar comparison for uh, th- those Warrior series where, sure, Durant played out of his mind against the Cavs mm-hmm. those two times, but Steph was maybe still the best player, I don't know, in those, in those series. I have Durant 15, um, mm, and okay. I've, I've never sort of wavered from that in the fact that he's right above Oscar for me and Jerry West, who I Dr. J, who I didn't see play right below Moses mm-hmm. Malone and, and Carl Malone and Bird and, and uh, Steph and Elijah one. I don't know if Durant has a chance to move up for that list for me 
because I think for me, it's going to depend on, does he win another championship? Does he win another mm -hmm. MVP? And I, I don't think that's happening for, for my guy here. <laughs> yeah. It well, And that, uh, that goes to another point where I think like, I think if you if you look at these all-time greatness rankings from an umbrella point of view, I think it's healthy to think of it more in terms of tiers instead of exact ranking. It's less fun. It's more fun to like pick apart like mm -hmm. is Durant 13th or 15th. Like like those are the fun right. conversations, but but like I think it's pretty clear he's on whatever tier that is with the other players you mentioned, Dr. J, Moses Malone, Carl Malone, like they're in like very much a tier together. Yes. But I think especially the higher you get, it gets more and more difficult to jump tiers and I think that's what Steph did for me this year is he went from that tier of players we were just talking about that, you know, uh, Jerry West, Kevin Durant, Dr. J tier. And he's now in the Duncan Kobe bird tier. Yeah. Uh, and, and I also liked bringing like what you said about Tim Duncan too, where it's like, he might not have been the best player on some of those teams or some of those runs, but he was probably the most valuable, the most important. And that's like a whole other conversation about like MVP and stuff. But, but I think it, it's interesting how like one title completely like revalidates and, and recontextualizes players, uh, you know, where like, like Tim Duncan's Spurs winning in 2014 now makes us think of the Spurs dynasty as 1999 through 2014 and that mm -hmm. sounds way more impressive than 99 through 07 still impressive right. but like that fifth championship puts duncan like more solidly on this tier that we're talking about than had that not happened because now it's like we think of him as this like incredible 20-year player which he was like it's amazing that i think he he was on the end uh, all nba first team in like 2015 as like a 38 year old. I mean, that's pretty bonkers, yeah. you know? I, I remember. Yeah, that was, that was pretty wild that that could happen. And I love Tim Duncan. He's one yeah. of my personal favorites in NBA history, him and Dirk. I, I just cannot explain my infatuation with those two dudes. They're good Big dudes. And I mean, gosh, what a, and like, what a great, what a great era with power forwards too. It's like pretty crazy when you look back and think about Duncan, Dirk, KG, Chris Webber, Stoudemire. Like there's so many great power forwards. Bosh. I mean, yeah. yeah. To me, that's one of Duncan's biggest arguments for him being part of this tier or this list we're talking about is like he played through the golden age of power forwards and was far and away the best one of all of them. Yeah, I remember it seemed um, like every year the Western Conference forward spots was like a bloodbath with who was going to get those two spots starting for the Western Conference among the – because with all of them, they were all in the same conference. Duncan, Dirk, KG, yeah. uh, Chris Webber on the Warriors there for a little bit. It was uh, it was something else to witness who was going to roll. I hated the Western Conference so much. <laughs> Unrelated <laughs> yeah. note, I rooted for the East because I'm on the East and I'd go out there and watch the All-Star game and be like, freaking western conference I hate these guys <laughs> for no reason i had no nba affiliation right. i was just like they pounded the east every year and it was so stupid i hate the western conference i'm glad the uh, eastern conference is finally the the <laughs> upper tier conference for the first time in like 30 years first well, time since jordan's bulls yeah it's all because Giannis drafts a better team lebron tries to be strategic and who right. he wants to play with him <laughs> over the next few years that he just picks those guys to be on his 
on his all-star team, which actually right. is a good segue to uh-huh. <clears throat> something I wanted to get to, which I really wanted to pick your brain on these couple of our favorite fake trades for this off season. Ooh, Cause we got, do it. we are about 46 hours now from 47 hours from the start of the draft. And so some pieces may shift around for that. But I, uh, I, I had a good time with these because, as you know on Twitter, I, I've seen your interactions, and I know you do it too, where you, you post stuff, the trades that you come up with, and you want to see uh, if you get some interaction from folks on these ridiculous thoughts that we had. And I had the one a couple weeks ago with, what was it, Westbrook moving around and LeBron, and I, I don't remember what nonsense I put out there. Yeah, I think the basis of it, I can't remember the specifics, but the basis of it was, I think, Harden and LeBron were switching spots. But you had That's Westbrook right. going somewhere, right. too. I can't remember exactly, but it it was one of those things where when I, I think out loud, I was in my car. I want to say I was in, like, the Chick... I remember this well. I was in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru line. And, like, I think out loud, I, I went, That's insane. And then... <laughs> I thought about it some more and I was like, I don't hate it. <laughs> well, that's right. I, I forgot. I sat out, sat out in my uh, makeshift podcast studio, the garage and actually detailed that <laughs> one a little bit. And yeah, I guess it wasn't as insane as I remember. But so if you want to hop on board with some of these categories, I actually categorized mine. So you can oh, think right. about okay. where, where yours would fit and I'll just hit you with okay. mine and you can hit me with yours. So my first fake trade that I came up with is in the category of, Boring, realistic, yet yet slightly intriguing. So I don't know if you got mm, any okay. that fit that category. I'll go with mine first, give you some time to think on yours and see cool. if you got any that fit this category. Boring, realistic, yet slightly intriguing. And so my first one I got is Rudy Gobert to the Pacers from Miles Turner and the trade exceptions of Doug McDermott and Jeremy Lamb. Mm, okay. So Rudy Gobert to the Pacers, Miles Turner. Doug McDermott, Jeremy. Okay. Yeah, a couple, just a couple trade exceptions. It's basically a Rudy Gobert for Miles Turner straight up mm-hmm. swap. Uh, but we got to throw some money in there on, yeah. the, on the Indiana I, side to make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. I actually think um, I have a Pacers trade that I also fits. I mean, <laughs> the Pacers <laughs> are the pinnacle uh, example of this, like, kind of boring, <laughs> but still a little intriguing. So <laughs> it fits. I think I saw somewhere, it's like, what's the most medium NBA team of all time. And it's like, Oh, it's the Pacers. They're just always somewhere in the middle. They're always like good, but not great, but not bad. Anyway. So I think mine that fits this category is, uh, Pacers and Blazers. Blazers get miles Turner. Pacers get Eric Bledsoe, basically just to match the salary. Cause he has a bad contract. He's making like 20 million a year, but then the, yeah, which is, But the the real prize of this is so Blazers are getting Miles Turner, but they're giving up to the Pacers their number seven pick this year, Oof. which would mean the Pacers have two top ten picks, Oof. and they're really leaning into the like we're rebuilding, we're going young. Here you go, Blazers. You can have your quality role player because Damian Lillard wants to win now, but you need to give us this pick. Man, I feel like that's a tough tough sell for the Blazers is not only are we not trading Damian Lillard, but Blazers fans feel free to unstrap your seatbelt. Cause we're also giving away the number seven pick. 
<laughs> I, should, I should say this does fit into the realistic category if only because if if I were running the Blazers, I would absolutely trade Damian Lillard. And like all respect to him. Yes. Thank you for the memories. Thank you for what you've done for this franchise. But I I would very much lean into being like Let's fully rebuild because even though the East is the better conference, the West is also still loaded. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, Dame. Like, I know you don't want to run from the grind. You're never going to win a championship in Portland. <laughs> and like, it's the city of Portland's going to love you forever. It's okay. Like you can leave. And I think the Portland front office should be okay. Like doing that. Cause I think they yeah. could get a big haul for him, which like, frankly, he's like, I don't know how old he is. Like 33, He's had some injury history. Like, I think this would be the time to bounce because, like, let's say he like falls off a cliff. Yeah, the trade value plummeted. Where I think he still has a lot, a lot of trade value left. It's like double checking. Yeah, thirty-one. I think I'm with you. I think the time to sell, you know, in stocks, you sell high, buy low. I think the time to sell high would have been probably when he's cashing out at the All Star game last yeah. uh, last February. And mm-hmm. I think we're on the downward trend at this point. I'm with you. If I'm Blazers management, I, thanks, Dame. It's been great, but we got to move on you. So he'll come back up for me uh, a couple categories mm-hmm. down the line for uh, yeah. some of my favorite uh, fake trades this offseason. All right, my next category I got. So this category is should be feasible. Should be feasible. Okay. Should be feasible. So I'll give you mine and see if you got any in this category. Okay. Uh, should be feasible. Zach Levine and the 18th pick to the Charlotte Hornets for Gordon Hayward and the 15th pick. So essentially a three pick swap between the Bulls and the Hornets, my Hornets. And uh, we we trade a Zach Levine expiring contract for Gordon Hayward and his $61 million over the next two seasons. So laying out the case Mm -hmm. why Charlotte would do it, get rid of Hayward, avoid paying him. He's Mm -hmm. he's only played in 60% of games the last three seasons you only fall back three picks in the draft. Why Chicago would do it, you do get to move up three picks and you get something for Levine who may end up walking anyway. Hayward maybe is not a terrible replacement for Levine. He might even occupy the same role with fewer you know, shot volume. I think that's interesting. I think that's, uh, admittedly, I think if I'm the Bulls, I say no. Um mm-hmm. Because even though I think there is a very real risk, Levine is uh, testing the market, you know, and I think I I would love the fit of him on Charlotte. I think that actually would be really exciting. So, like, I would love to see that happen. Um, I do wonder if there would need to be a little little extra spice there. And it's too bad because I think. Uh, for what it's worth, I do think Gordon Hayward can still be a really good player. It's just he has so inconsistently been on the court in the past yeah. few seasons. But I think like I'm I'm rooting for him to have this season where everybody goes like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about Gordon Hayward." Like this guy rocks. <laughs> so like it could work for the for the Bulls, but I think um, I don't know. That is, it should be feasible. I'll give you that. <laughs> I got I got yeah, I got to hit you with some numbers that I found I, I looking at their basketball Please. reference. So Zach Levine career splits. Uh, first off, they have the exact same career free throw percentage at 83%. Mm. Zach Levine career 46% from the floor. Gordon Hayward 44% from the floor. Zach mm-hmm. Levine 39% from 3, Gordon Hayward 37% from 3. So they are literally two percentage points off in each category. I thought that was wild when I looked into that. 
That's interesting. And those are career numbers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, I mean, that is interesting. I, I do think, for what it's worth, a little skewed, because I think Zach Levine has very greatly improved his shooting lately. Yeah. Like, I think he's turned into a legitimate three-point threat in a way that he wasn't, like, in his, you know, like, Timberwolves days. But that is interesting, because it does help you. It, it helps take recency bias out of it, that it's like, oh, yeah, Gordon Hayward can ball. Like, this guy... Has been yeah, really good true. for a really long time, but um, it, it does make you wonder. It's like, do we overrate Levine? Do we underrate Hayward? I'm not it's sure. It's almost like their career trajectory is like Levine started off and has gotten better, and Hayward has mm-hmm. has started better and gotten poorly. And it's like, yeah, it's like the supply classic supply and demand chart that is met in the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it does also. There's a billion NBA what ifs, but one of those is like Hayward's terrible injury in the very first game of I forget which season that was, right. but his like first game with the Celtics, and so I I do wonder how much differently we would view his career had that never happened because there was a pretty clear like before and after, and he was still pretty young at the time I think like 27 ish maybe. So well, that's I mean that's that's a good what if because that team I think that was 20. I want to say 19 might've been 18. And, uh, that, that was a good one. If, cause that was, that was an early team with Tatum and Brown who just went to the mm-hmm. finals, just lost. They might've had, I don't know if they had Kyrie on that team, but so obviously I don't, they did. it was a good team. Yeah. And so that they could have, yeah. you know, gone to greater heights than this team that just lost in the finals in six games. I, I think their st- or one version of the starting five that year was Kyrie at the one Jalen Brown at the two, Hayward at the three, Tatum at the four, Horford at the five. Like, on paper, like, all of those people healthy in their prime, whatever, like, on paper, that's a ridiculous team. That's very impressive, yeah. Especially because we saw what the, like, Brown-Tatum-Horford combo, like, can do just this past year. And to, to think that, like, Hayward and Irving were actually the two stars of that team is like pretty wild when you think in hindsight. Yeah. So a and a younger, younger Horford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as far as the should be feasible trade, uh-huh. not a hundred percent sure this fits, but it's the one of the, of the five I wrote down, the <laughs> one that I think fits the most. Okay. Hold on. Let me, uh, let me tell you, I got, let me see how many categories I got. One, two, three, oh, sure. four. Okay. I have six categories, but I have a feeling none are going to be in my six categories. So that's fine. These are all ranging from a, most sane trade potentialities to the least sane. That's kind of the order I'm giving them anyway. So I I think this works. So it's another Pacers one for me. Obviously you can tell I'm very fascinated by the Pacers because I feel like they have, (laughs) they have a lot of really good players. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like they have a lot of really good players and I feel like they're, at least they should be trying to not tank, but like, they should really prioritize their like young players like Halliburton and stuff. So so here's here's the one I came up with is Pacers Pelicans. Uh Pacers get just a weird hodgepodge of Devontae Graham, Jackson Hayes. I threw in Garrett Temple to make the salaries work. But then the number eight pick of this year. So you kind of see a trend where okay. like I think they should shoot for like 
the Blazers or the Pelicans because they both have top 10 picks, but they're both trying to be playoff contenders, whereas the Pacers, I think, are going the opposite direction. So so the, all of that, but then the Pelicans get Malcolm Brogdon. I knew that's who you were going to say. <laughs> so here's, here's, the, here's the case. Uh, I kind of already said it for the Pacers. Basically, they are going younger, but their main, the reason they're doing it is to get two top 10 picks. The reason the Pelicans do it is because mm-hmm. up until like a month ago, or well, a month, the final month of the season, they weren't expecting to have a top 10 pick this year because it's actually the Lakers pick. Right. And so they were committed to not even having this pick anyway. They're also committed to very much, especially after giving the Suns a hard time in the first round without Zion. I think they're very much in like a win now mode. And so that number eight pick could end up being like, really useful as a player, but I think it's even more useful for them as an asset. Whereas I think what they're missing on that team is like a true point guard. So, so picture this, this would be their starting five. It would be Brogdon at the one McCollum at the two Ingram at the three Zion at the four Valanchunas at the five. That's a, that's a terrifying. And then you have Herb Jones still coming off the bench for defense. That's a, that that's That's a legit, I think that's I, a contender. I, I don't hate that. Yeah, that's. I don't know if that competes with your Warriors and your, your maybe your uh, Clippers if Kawhi decides he ever wants to play basketball again. <laughs> and some of those more upper echelon West teams, the Suns maybe if they run it back with who they got, although I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't hate that one because you're right. They need somebody to kind of go with the Ingram, the Zion assuming he wants to play basketball. Uh, right, McCollum thing. Somebody give it to McCollum to shoot. Somebody to to distribute to Ingram. Somebody to be out there as a floor general when when you don't have some of those guys. I'm like, yeah, I don't hate that. I, I'm yeah. kind of with you. I don't know that the the Pelicans in terms of who's more valuable to them, Malcolm Brogdon or the number eight pick. It's got to clearly mm-hmm. be Brogdon. I will say, for what it's worth, I think this is to play advocate against myself here the thing about bringing in (laughs) the thing about that eight pick and bringing in like a really talented rookie i mean they really hit on i forget where they drafted herb jones this past year but he was like not a high pick and they really hit on him so if they did that again at the eight pick they could have a really quality role player and like that is a team that like the the version of them that played the suns in the first round was a team that like was really starting to figure out who had what role and how to best like share the duties, but that they're going to have a huge learning curve when Zion comes back. And I think this is going to be true regardless of who they add or subtract from the team. Just the core of McCollum, Ingram, Zion, Valanchunas, those are all like very score heavy players. And so I think they're going to have to really figure out how to distribute the ball. So I don't know if adding a floor general like Malcolm Brogdon helps or hurts that because he strikes me as a player from what I've seen or what I know about him that like would be okay taking a backseat scoring wise and focus more on like defense and distribution. But but maybe not. I don't know. I mean, maybe it'd be five people that all think they're supposed to be the best player on the team. And that that backfires very quickly. Yeah, I think ultimately the Pacers probably say no because they don't want to give up and Brogdon who you know they acquired look to 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 essentially build their team around. But I, yeah, I don't hate that yeah. one. That's a good one. Wish I had come up with that one. That's a good one. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Here's my, here's my next category. Okay. Uh, I'm doing a, 
on the fly adjustment, Ime Doku um, final style. <laughs> I'm going to switch two of my categories. Ime Doku for go, Doc Rivers. <laughs> I'm going to go with <laughs> category being all right. So this is very highly, entirely unlikely. And it brings back up okay. Lillard, who we talked about earlier. And this is yep. a package that I think has been talked about a fair bit. The Heat sent Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry, their 2024 first, their 2027 first to Portland for Damian Lillard. Let's, you know, Miami goes all in. It pushes their chips in. They say, let's do it. We got Jimmy Butler. We got Damian Lillard. We got Bam Adebayo. We got the Heat culture. We got Spolstra. We're going for it in this East that we feel like is attainable. Tyler Hero off the bench. Surround them with some pieces. I still think it's pretty highly unlikely, but what do you think of that one? From an entertainment standpoint, I love it. And I think none of my trades had the heat involved, but I I think I heard or read somewhere that they are like open for business this summer. Like everybody but Bam and Butler are on the table for them. Mm-hmm. So I do think they are going to make some noise. And I love I, I love this. Like I love the idea of going all in on like win now big three Lillard Butler at a bio. I think, uh, I think in this scenario, I think hero has to be involved for the blazers. Yeah. If they're, if they're committing to giving up Lillard, if only because I think like, like Lowry love the guy, but I mean, he, I, I thought this last summer when the heat signed him to, to a relatively lucrative deal for being a 35 year old, with some injury history, like, like I thought that was a tough sell. So I think that's going to be even tougher of a sell after that kind of like came true a little bit this year. So, so I think like, he's really just like salary filler in this trade. And so really then the, the gold mines here would be those picks and Duncan Robinson, but like Duncan Robinson was also not even playing for them Yeah. in a couple rounds this year of the playoffs. So I do think, I don't know if it's swapping out Robinson and hero, but I think for just like putting myself in the Blazers' shoes, I think you're really going to have to offer something sweet, especially because they're going to totally play up the whole, like, even if they are looking to move him, they're going to really lean into the, like, well, this has been our franchise guy for a decade. He means so much to the city. Like you really gotta, you really gotta give us something that the fans are going to hold on to. If we, if we send him packing. So um, I think that's ultimately why that bumps this to a very highly, entirely unlikely category, because I don't, mm -hmm. I I think I'm with you. I think the the Blazers are pretty adamant. We're not, we're not trading Lillard now right now. That's not in our best interest. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the version of the, the trade that fits this category for me, highly unlikely that we're, we're not quite to the most bonkers trade yet right that's oh, i'm no, assuming that's a category coming up great, great, great. we got we got two categories to go all right all right so i, I think the Three. one that most fits this for me is warriors jazz and there have been versions of this trade floating around for a while but this is the one i came up with which is warriors get rudy gobert jazz get wiggins moody and then a like a 2025 first round pick for good measure Here's here's why they do it. So the, the Warriors, case? here's the case. The Warriors are probably the one that, I'll, I'll start here. The Warriors are probably the ones that say no to this because they just won the chip. They're like, we're not even going to touch 
we're going to make minor adjustments. But that's why I don't think this is like super realistic, but it's funny. <laughs> so, so like Draymond and Gobert as a defensive combo in and of itself is enticing. And then that, you know, j- just what that could mean for a team, throw in Clay and, and the Warrior system and everything else. But of all these Warriors teams, they've never really needed it, but they've also never had it. The elite rim protection that Gobert could could give you like they've always kind of gotten by by being small like that was kind of their bread and butter you know for a long time is like Draymond at the five but they've they really needed like Kevon Looney and I think he's a free agent so they might need to replace him which there's a whole Wiseman part of this conversation too but like if you just think of it in terms of like the team they have now but with Kevon Looney being upgraded to Rudy Gobert and like how important he was for them in this playoff run. Gobert can do everything Kevon Looney can. And then a lot more on top of that, I think, especially defensively. Um, but I think everybody thinks Gobert is kind of this old player. Cause it feels like he's been around forever. I'm pretty sure he's only 29. I looked it up and like, yeah, he has a right. lot of basketball left in him too. And he has a long contract. So it would also mean that like he could help, you know, it's not like a trading the future for now. It's like, Gobert is going to be around a while. But then the final thing is that uh, as far as the Warriors, like I actually think he could work well in their system. I mean, I kind of feel that way about any player just because it's like they have so much good history with like just bringing in players. I mean, for gosh sakes, they brought in Wiggins, who everybody was like done on. And Wiggins was like the second best player in the finals, you know? And so I think Gobert, though, with like he's a pretty good passer. And like I think he'd get some really good looks in the paint um, on offense. And yeah. I, I just, I think people would be willing to pass to him in a way that Mitchell is not <laughs> on Utah, you know? So, and then, and then the final thing is like Wiggins's value is at an all time high right now because he just came off of this really great run. And I think some team is going to bite on that and be like, he's this guy when, which he might be honestly, I hope for him that he is, but, but I also like, it's too, I think at this point I would rather put money on that. He's probably more the guy we saw in Minnesota for all those years than he is whoever he looked like over the past two weeks. Yeah. And I think maybe the Warriors should cash in on that while they can. Here's why the, here's why the jazz do it. They have to break up the Mitchell Gobert, whatever. Like they have to completely revitalize this somehow. If you're up to me, they should just completely rebuild, but they strike me as a team that like would do a half measure. Uh, I think they desperately need wings. Like they've not had good like wings, especially defensively. Like Gobert was doing everything on defense for them, and they just had nobody to guard, like, you know, the Paul Georges of the world or whoever. Um he could add more offense with with Mitchell and the perimeter defense. Um, I threw, I threw in Moody. So he's another like young, you know, pick that, or like a young player that I think has a lot of room to grow. Uh, so they're also like, it's kind of like a future thing. And then the 2025 first round pick was an interesting add on too. Cause like, you know, if the Warriors really lean into the, like, we're focused on the now, like, I think, yes, people are thinking like the Warriors could be sustainable for a while, which is very possible, but also like. Steph is turning 35 next year and like Draymond does not look the same athletically. And like, there's a lot of reasons to think that like 
we may have just watched the last like deep playoff run by the Warriors by this core. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, that twenty like like a way off pick could end up being like really nice for a team if the Warriors are willing to give that up. But I digress. Yeah, I love that for the Jazz. I can picture Wiggins and Moody really blossoming in Utah, especially next to Mitchell. I think obviously that's why it's in it's in this category. It doesn't work for the Warriors because they probably say, "Well, we're fine. We're going to run it back." And I think Gobert's essentially stuck in Utah. But for the category, uh, not bad. Keeping pace with me, not bad. Let's see if you can come up. I got, I got three more categories, and they're getting loony. This next one's getting just silly. Come on, Looney. <laughs> Looney Tunes, Space Jam Two, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> Speaking of Space Jam 2, I do have a a trade involving that person, but we'll, uh, it's probably the last one involved here. So go ahead. Don Cheadle for LeBron's real son (laughs) and just straight up, no picks involved. Yes. Yeah. All right. So this next category is called Dumb Next and, uh, Dumb, comma, next. So this one, uh, don't need to spend much time within this category, but Kyrie and the Nets 2027 first round pick via Philly to the Hawks for John Collins and Danilo Gallinari. We just give the Hawks Trey Young. We give him Kyrie Irving, uh, we, we Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kevin Herter, Lou Will. We just chuck shots, screw defense, offensive explosions galore. I love this. Dumb. Also next. Yeah, next. But hilarious. That's pretty great. I like that I, one. I might have one that fits this category, but I might save it because I only have the two left and I, I it might okay. fit. It might fit a category that you're you're about to say. So all right, so I'll, I'll leave that up. But I, I do like that. See, see, I'll give you the category name for the next one. Next category is "Ha, that ain't happening." <laughs> <laughs> okay, th- th- this actually fits pretty well. Okay, for what I have, but you go first. All right, so so uh, ha, that ain't <laughs> happening. Uh, Jason Tatum and Derek White for LeBron, straight up, no picks involved. <laughs> Uh, you know, LeBron already owns a piece of the Fenway group. His contract's right. up after next season. Lakers are a dumpster fire. Uh, see if he can, you know, be a mercenary of sorts, go win a championship in the other storied franchise, Boston. Uh, catapult his legacy over Jordan, win a title, four cities. Um, uh, it, you know, I why mean, this is insane, but. But it actually, the more you think about it, this is one that makes more sense the more you think about it. Because, like, with how much Jason Tatum so desperately wants to be Kobe Bryant, this would be, like, his dream come true. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. To play for the angle. Lakers. <laughs> so, like, I kind of love that. And, like, I weirdly think that he could be a better fit because there's, I, I think the Lakers are going to be hard-pressed to trade Westbrook with his $47 million contract this year. Like a Westbrook, AD, Tatum trio doesn't actually sound half bad to me. Like in a way that I the LeBron, I where AD to put trio this. Yeah, I, I debated where to put this trade because I I could see it be, maybe being more feasible than Kyrie to the to the Hawks. But I, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Kyrie's definitely getting traded. The Celtics probably aren't doing anything, so that's where I ended up with it in this place. But I mean, the Lakers why they would do it. LeBron suckered them into getting Westbrook. Now they're stuck with him. LeBron may leave anyway. They need assets. Boston could turn Tatum into a formidable 
certifiable asset in LeBron. You know what he's going to bring you. Um, so I didn't think it was crazy, but it definitely is not happening. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. If, um, if this, you, like LeBron from the past three weeks, like this LeBron who was just on it, like Instagram playing basketball with his sons, if he was in the Warriors Celtics series that just happened instead of Tatum, like in Tatum's place, would the outcome be different? Well, I mean, we did see that four years in a row from 2015 through 2018. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it probably goes better for him because I think Brown is a more dynamic playmaker than. Um, than LeBron had on the Cavs, and that's including Kyrie Irving. I think I think Brown offers a little bit more because he plays defense, whereas Kyrie doesn't. And uh, Horford is maybe an upgraded Kevin Love. So I think the team that was around with Ime Adoka as coach, I think LeBron would have had, if you put him in the place of Tatum, um, it at least goes seven. I don't know if the Warriors have the same outcome, but I think uh, it's a better uh, spot for LeBron than any of his Cavs teams against the Warriors, and it's definitely a better circumstance for the for the Celtics what do you think I I think there's a very real chance that I mean yeah th- this is a different question than saying should should the Celtics trade for next year's LeBron and and give up a 24 year old Tatum like that's a very different question but just thinking about like to me it's hard to because th- Jason Tatum like didn't have a bad series but he didn't have a good one you know and like I do think it was mostly just fatigue or something I don't know but he looked he looked overwhelmed he did not shoot well he did have some you know good passing and stuff but in like good defense but I think LeBron even 37 year old LeBron could have done everything Tatum did and probably would have scored more efficiently and at the very least I think like like to your point has played against this Warriors team on the biggest stage four other times I think he would have been able to like lead Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Horford, like all those guys. I think he would have been able to be that like locker room presence to be like, yeah. guys, this is what we got to do. I've been here 10 other times. Like I got this, <laughs> you know, where I, I think like Tatum is, is very young, you know, like, and I think that matters in stuff like this. LeBron says, I'm the second greatest player of all time. You should probably pay attention to me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> I was the star of Space Jam too. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Have you watched it? Get your HBO yeah. Max <laughs> subscription there, buddy. Yeah. Okay, what was the name of this category? Ha, that ain't happening? Yes, ha, that ain't okay. happening. Ha, that ain't happening. I think this one is mine. Timberwolves and Suns. Wolves get Mikhail Bridges and whoever else they need to make this work. Suns get Carl Anthony Towns. Ooh, I love that for the Suns. Here's here's the brief case. Wolves, and I think they I think the Suns would need to throw in something extra. But I think the Wolves are gonna be in a tough spot within the next two years where this is clearly and should be Edwards' team, Anthony Edwards. Because mm-hmm. that that dude is special. He's twenty years old. He's a fantastic actor, we found out. Did you watch Hustle on Netflix yet? Oh, I haven't watched it yet. No. It's He's on my, I saw great it again today. I, I got to check it out. He's really great. But, like, he he is going to be the franchise player that the Wolves haven't had since Kevin Garnett. And all respect to Carl Anthony Towns and his skills, but, like, Edwards is that guy. And I think there's going to be a weird thing of, like, whose team is this? 
even even next year with like a 21 year old Anthony Edwards. I think he's already like going to be the leader of the team in a way that Cat isn't. So I think like basically just fully handing him the keys, giving him like a really solid defensive player who's also on kind of a similar trajectory age-wise and stuff with Mikhail Bridges. Uh, you know, I think that that's the case for the Wolves. The Suns, the case is, I think it's pretty clear they don't intend to keep Aiden at this point. And so they're going to need a center. And like Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker are buds from way back. And oh, yeah. I think this maximizes... Uh, like that reunion plus Chris Paul, like I think that's a pretty formidable quote unquote big three, like Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns. Like I think that maximizes this very small window. I think that they have with Chris Paul being the age he is. So, well, and <clears throat> to your point, it, it puts Mikhail Bridges on the, on the T wolves and, and takes a, a guy who would want the ball in his hands out out of the picture because D'Angelo mm-hmm. Russell and Anthony Edwards got that covered. So we don't need to give the ball to, to Towns. And and meanwhile, in Phoenix, he could spread the floor and be another reliable outside shooter that, that DeAndre Ayton is not necessarily at this point. I don't hate that one at all. I love that one. I, yeah. I especially love it for the Suns, and I think it's tremendous for the, for the Wolves too. I don't think that – I think you're selling yourself short there, Mr. Goldsmith. I feel like that one is at least <laughs> – uh, in the dumb next category, if not sure. uh, very highly, entirely unlikely, moving up our our category scale. I mean, I, I think where to me the ha that ain't happening part of this comes in is I think like the Suns have like very much invested in Mikael Bridges and embraced him, but I think it mostly is the Wolves. I think just with their history, I just don't think they're going to like just ship off Carl Anthony Towns that quickly. But I mean. The case is there. I do. I think that would make That's a, a very one. interesting Suns team, for sure. The tricky part too is within the West, you know, swapping such key potential championship pieces, but which which maybe elevates it <clears throat> to this category. But I, man, I like that trade. That's a good one. Uh, so you don't have any more left, right? I have one left. Oh, you I have don't one know left. if it fits okay. whatever your final category is. It, All right, it's well, definitely the most out there one, but but I'll okay. So here's the here's the category. We'll see if uh, maybe it fits. Uh, ha, that ain't happening. Versus final category is the Stanley Hudson circle. Boy, have you lost your mind? Because I'll help you find it. <laughs> That's <laughs> beautiful office reference. That's so good. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want to uh, use use your your final trade in this category? Or you want to bump it back to the ha, that ain't happening. This might actually, the, okay. This might fit the "ha that ain't happening" category, and I could probably on the fly come up with a "boy have you lost your mind." I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you give yours because I really feel like you're gonna fall off the the couch that you're sitting on there when I give you this last one. Okay. Okay. Because it's just so, it's stupid. I, I think I've hinted at it on Twitter, but it's just stupid, nonsensical that it's never gonna happen. I, I'm so excited. Okay. Let Let me give you the last one I came up with. I don't know which category. I think this might actually... Well, it's somewhere between the two categories, I think. It's one I've been thinking about for a while. It's not going to happen, but I love it. Lakers-Bulls. With the caveat, this does only work if Levine expresses his desire to go to L.A. and if Kyrie Irving does not want to come to L.A. 
based on his most recent news about the the Nets and being at a a disagreement with the Nets about his future there. But so the mm-hmm. trade is Lakers get Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, Nikola Vucevic. Okay. Bulls get Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis. Yeah, I figured Anthony Davis, a little homecoming. Let me tell you what the starting fives for each team would be. Lakers starting five. Lonzo Ball at the one. Malik Monk at the two. Levine at the three. LeBron at the four. Vucevic at the five. Here's why they do that. It's, I mean, a completely different team. So it just completely washes away the stank from last year. And I think it, it like... To your earlier point, you mentioned this in your uh, Lakers trade scenario that like they need future assets because there's a very real chance that like they cashed all in on these three very expensive guys and they're all like not planning to stay. So they would have Zach Levine for a while to build around. They'd have Lonzo Ball, who I think is almost underrated at this point. But mm-hmm. but I also think in terms of like building around LeBron and trying to maximize like whatever gas LeBron has left in the tank. This is kind of a perfect like four players around him because it's a heck of a lot of shooting and it's okay defense. Like Lonzo Ball is a very good defender and has gotten like really good at shooting the threes, but he can also be like the other ball handler. Malik Monk was at times the second best player on last year's Lakers team. Mm-hmm. Levine, as I mentioned before, has gotten pretty good at three ball shooting, but is like a very athletic presence that would offset LeBron, or or rather, I guess, compliment LeBron. And then Vucevic can be like a stretch five if he needs to be, but at least he can also like be a seven footer that you need in a playoff. Yeah. Run. So the bull starting five would be Russell Westbrook at the one, Alex Caruso at the two, DeMar DeRozan at the three, Patrick Williams at the four, and Anthony Davis at the five. Here's why they do it. You already said it, but the hometown reunion, Anthony Davis, he has Chicago tattooed really big on his bicep. <laughs> so I think like at some point, Anthony Davis is going to want to play in Chicago. You might as well bet on him doing it now. Uh, I'm kind of in the minority here. I still think Russell Westbrook is a very good player. The caveat is he has to be, and you can feel free to disagree with me here. <laughs> I think he can be a very good player, but the problem is he he's proven you have to adapt to him and not the other way around. So I do think that this could very heavy could work because he'd be reunited with Billy Donovan who coached him for several years and coached him during his MVP run. So if anybody knows how to like unlock Russell Westbrook, quote unquote, it's Donovan. And I think like the whole fit of him and LeBron was like a clear disaster as far as like, they're both very ball dominant where like, I don't know. Maybe it would work better with this team. But then, like, Anthony Davis, Patrick Williams, and Alex Caruso is also, like, a really good defensive core. If you're Mm -hmm. like, all right, Westbrook and DeRozan, you guys get buckets. You other three focus on defense. Uh, I think, I don't know. It could work. And, again, this is all predicated on if Levine makes it known that he does not want to stay in Chicago. I think that's an important part of this. That's a pretty good return when the start, the launch pad is a player saying, I don't want to play here. And if you end up getting back Anthony Davis as a result of that, I think, I don't know. 
Worst Seattle. case scenario is it's a disaster and Westbrook frees up $47 million in cap space next year. And you can go from there or the, the and year he goes after to Chicago. And he realizes that the biggest obstacle to him performing well is the Michael Jordan statue outside the United center. <laughs> and he has a monumental problem with it. So he becomes all surly. No, I think that's, I think that's really good for both teams. I, I like the, Anthony that's a good Davis pun by the way. Factor. Monumental. Monumental problem. Yeah, that was good. Uh, yeah, That's a, I was going for that one. Uh, no, I, I don't hate that at all. I like that. I would love to see that. I think the Bulls become a top, easily probably top three team in the East. Lakers bump way up to be probably top half of the playoff standings for the Western mm-hmm. Conference. That's a good one. That might be the ha that ain't happening versus the boy have you lost your mind. Yeah, no, I believe me, you're going to hear mine and you're going to realize you made your right selection for, <laughs> I'm so for where that one goes. All right, so this is one I, I thought about this watching, I think, the All-Star game, and I think I was watching him one night, um, late night West Coast Conference game, um, yep. and trying to solve some of the issues with the Jazz. Uh, and so here we go, three-teamer. We got the Jazz, yep. get Evan Fournier, and Aaron Gordon. Okay. Nuggets receive Julius Randle. Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, and Cam Reddish. So kind of some role pieces, Julius Randle, who can help replace the guy that they're losing because the Knicks in this scenario are getting Donovan Mitchell and Nikolai Jokic. Oh, yeah. Stop it. What? Boy, have you lost your mind? <laughs> I love this one. I would love to watch Jokic just play in the garden every night and not really understand oh, yeah. like the gravity of being in that <laughs> arena. And just dominating and putting up like, you know, 40, 18, 12, and 6 every night. And <laughs> I've, I've watched Mitchell in person and him chucking up shots from 38 feet. And, you know, I watched him in March in, in Charlotte and he threw up a shot and it like clanked horribly off the backboard. And he was just like, his attitude is basically like, eh, screw it. I'll chuck it up again next chance I get. Like watching those two dudes run the garden, run the Mecca every every weeknight, you know, that would be special. And so I know this example, this trade is lunacy, but I, I just couldn't shake it. I had to give it its own category and had to give it some recognition. I, I love it. You've lost your mind. That's not happening for starters. The nuggets. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if you could offer anything to the nuggets to give up. Jokic is the, is just my guess, but, uh, I, I love the irony of like Jokic becoming the best player in New York Knicks history and like having no uh, context or, or like rather just no emotional connection to like why Madison Square Garden matters. <laughs> like, yeah, like that, he becomes he I becomes the best player in Knicks history just by pedigree. They bump him for Billy Joel and he's like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> is there is there any number of assets i wonder a three-team trade where the knicks end up with kevin durant and lebron james i feel like that would be the ultimate like if they just are like take everything we have take take uh all of our revenue from like our (laughs) garth brooks concerts in the summer take you know take take free parking in downtown new york for a year like take whatever you want and just go all in on being like, we're going to have two of the biggest stars in the NBA at the twilight of their career. Just do one final run and just say, and just James Dolan being like, 
it's worth it for the ticket sales and then i'm out like <laughs> and the, yeah the nuggets are like you can take our name our jerseys uh in regards to brooklyn um they're, they'd say to the lakers like just replace every time that they say jerry west <laughs> in winning time just replace that with james dolan um, <laughs> and give us those two guys yeah <laughs> I think that's a good place for for us to end is you go and you go forth and try to figure out your best trades okay. for LeBron and Kevin Durant to come upon the, the Knicks it. and I'll do the same. Perfect. And also what is the most insane Nikolai Jokic trade? Cause I'm feeling like at this point the nuggets would be like, Oh, you offered us the entire Baltic. We're good. We'll take our two time <laughs> back to back MVP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, All let right, me well, ask you this. Uh, well, sure. One last thing, since we're on the topic, uh, Nuggets, uh, Nuggets title chances next year. Four mm, percent sounded like a good number mm. in my head. I don't think getting good. Murray back is not gonna. I don't think make the difference that they're hoping. Porter, great, congratulations. Jokic, I'm not sure if he's a one for a championship team. Maybe I mm. love him, but I I don't know. I, I'm not sure he's the he's the Steph Curry on your championship team. I'm not sure if he's, mm-hmm. we talked about him earlier, you're Tim Duncan. He's wonderful to have on your team. A great guy to watch if you love fundamental basketball. Not sure if he's your championship, you know, leader. Yeah. I think, think I'm higher on the Nuggets than most people. I think, like, I'm a very idealistic thinker here, but, like, they've managed to end up as, like, four seeds and five seeds for the last, you know, couple of years without really having their, like, technically two and like second and third best guys. So I think on the chance you get those guys back and they are like the players that they were when they got hurt or somehow better. I know it's a big if, but I I think they could be, I think, I think Jokic is that special. Like I think, I think it, they could be scary good if they built like those players could in theory fit perfectly around him and like really make a, a lot of noise. Well, we shall see. Ian Goldsmith, thank you for being on my podcast, my much vaulted, very famous, highly popular podcast. Thank you so much. I've been wanting to do this since I was seven years old and started listening to Matt on the mic as a wee boy. So I'm so thankful to uh, have you spend almost 90 minutes of your time with me tonight. It's a marvelous thing. All right. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. See you, Matt.